Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. We'll go there. And this is the very end of Jesus' ministry. In fact, he had been crucified, he had been risen from the dead. And we read, this is the last couple of verses in that chapter. And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Make sure you really understand what that means. All power. That means there's not anything where he doesn't have power. All power is given unto Jesus in heaven and in earth. Go you, therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now this was a new thing because before this the the people of Israel, the Jews in particular in this case, didn't have dealings with other nations. Only the Jews had a relationship with God and they really messed that up as well. And so the message was now from Jesus, go into every nation now. It took them about three and a half years to realize that that was possible. But anyway, it says, teaching them to observe, to keep all things whatsoever I have commanded you. I had someone say to me one time, Jesus didn't give us any commandments. Well, yes, he did. He gave us some great commandments and we love them. All things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So he makes the point here that this was not going to be just a matter of being as a disciple for just a short time. Three and a half years before this, he'd he'd been baptised and he started calling his uh, uh, believers and he chose 12 of them. And uh, 11 of them remained till the end. One of them had killed himself because he didn't understand anything really. He was letting them know that you have an eternal ministry now. Your ministry is going to start from now and is going to continue on all of your life It's going to continue on until I come back and the kingdom of God will be established on the earth. In one sense, we have a part of the kingdom of God now. We have the Holy Spirit, which is from the kingdom of God, who leads us and teaches us and guides us. And this is something to get excited about. These things we write unto you that your joy may be full. Now, it is true that sometimes our mind gets off of the joy that the Lord said we could have and it gets uh, stuck onto something which uh, perhaps it shouldn't. We're going to turn to Acts chapter 1, just by way of a further discussion here. Jesus uh, has to be taken seriously, and he wants us to remain involved with him for our whole life. He wants us now to have our focus on a living God, not a dead God, a living God. It's not a statue. He's not something we hang around our neck. It's not anything like that. He is a living God. And, of course, we find that out, don't we, when we receive the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, new life is breathed into us and we're able to relate with him. Acts 1, we'll start in verse 8. We'll read the whole passage here. Verse 1. Uh, Acts chapter 1. Did I say Acts chapter 1? Verse 1. Good. Uh, the former treaties uh, have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to both to do and teach. And you'll find the same name mentioned at the beginning of Luke's Gospel. And so we believe that Luke wrote this letter as well, this book of Acts. Until the day when which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. 
to whom he also showed himself alive after his passion, that means after his death and resurrection, by many infallible proofs, there's no denying them, in other words, by, by being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining unto the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. I've told you about the Holy Ghost before. You can read all that in John chapter 14, 15 and 16. For John truly baptised with water, that's John the Baptist, but you shall be baptised with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. When you think about the word baptised, baptised means completely covered. The, the lexicon or concordance was this holy whelmed, holy whelmed, which means totally covered in water. That's baptism. It's like a burial service. In Romans 6 we read that we are buried with him in baptism. We might rise with him in newness of life. So John baptizes water. Verse 6, when they therefore were come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? because the Lord said he would return to Israel. And he said unto them, It's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own power. In other words, that's not your concern. He said, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You receive power once the Holy Ghost is upon you. The word after in the Greek means is meta, which means at the same time as the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So this is what we received on the day of our Pentecost, the day that we received the Holy Spirit. This is what we're talking about here. The next chapter we talk about the day of Pentecost when the disciples first received the Holy Spirit. All the believers, about 120 in one day there. And then from that they went out and they baptised another 3,000 who all received the Holy Spirit as well. Later on, another 5,000. So the gospel message really spread. And the Bible says that we have received a power which came upon us. We didn't make it up. We didn't learn it from anybody. It came upon us. God has given us a power. So let's look at this power. The word power here means um, uh, is a Greek word, hagios. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, that doesn't really matter. I'm sure they don't speak Australian very well. Um, nobody speaks Australian very well, not even Australians, do we? Um, the, the word hagios means a most holy thing. It also means a saint. It means sacred, physically pure, morally blameless, or religious, ceremonially consecrated. To venerate, to revere, it's about people whose services God employs. They are hagios, they are saints. For example, uh, the apostles, they were set apart by God uh, to be, as it were, exclusively his. And you know what? We are now the same. All the believers, the word of God tells us, are now saints of the living God, set apart to do his work rather than do the work of the world. We have to work. We've got to have a living, so we have to do that. But our work is not involved with the natural work of this world. We don't get our kicks out of that. We get our kicks out of walking with Jesus Christ, and it's his kingdom we're involved in now. Um, go to John 17, please. 
So just in the same way that the Israelites claimed for themselves a title um, because God selected them from the nations, in the same way this is transferred now to the saints. It's taken away from the nation Israel. It's given to us. John chapter 17 and verse 14. I have given them thy word. This is Jesus having a prayer to his heavenly Father. I have given them thy word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but you should keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Uh, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Now, does evil happen to us? Yeah. It's an evil world, so evil happens. But Jesus is saying here, I want to keep them from the evil. I don't want them to be affected by the evil. I want them to receive my spirit, he goes on to say. I want them so they are kept from the evil. Jesus was kept from the evil. The evil didn't overtake him. Remember the time he was, he was questioned by Satan about various things and, uh, and Jesus answered back with scripture. And that's, folks, how we are kept from the evil. By answering with scripture. Every time, by living our lives, answering by scripture to all the trials and the temptation and the wickedness that comes upon us, that we answer with scripture. I was going to read you a poem today which was written by a, a brother, uh, Phil, over in, uh, in Wellington. He writes a poem about his trial of cancer, and how he received a victory that the Lord had healed him from the cancer. And it was the evil that he was talking about there. Those things come upon us, but we can get through it. Because God lifts us up on the wings of eagles, and all the people said, lifts it up on the wings of eagles. In verse 17, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. So it is God's word which is going to keep us out of the things of the world here. And as thou hast seen, uh, sent me into the world, even so I have also sent them into the world, as for this, and as, sorry, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. We get sanctified through the truth, which is, means the word of God. If we stick with it, we will remain holy. What a blessing. And all the people said. So this person I talked to before who had, uh, had been in the, back in the things of the Lord for a number of, uh, for a little while now, she was just so thrilled with all the changes that happened to her because she'd come back and she'd taken up that sanctified relationship she used to have. She'd thrown it away, gone out into the world and then came back to things. And this person who she spoke to noticed that. So he gave me a call and said, what's going on? I said, we need to meet. So we've arranged to do that. Praise the Lord. So the Bible has power. The scripture has power. And it's the thing that changes us. How many of you heard the uh, Mark chapter 16, the last couple of verses there? These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out demons, they shall speak with new tongues, and so on. And that's the thing which really got them. Who, Who was impressed by that when they first heard it? The number of people. It's the word of God which has power. The Bible says Jesus taught people as one who had authority and not as the scribes or the religious people of the time. When we talk, if we stick to the scriptures, we speak with power. We speak with authority. God gives us that. That is very exciting. Let's go to John 1. In fact, make it First John. Uh, chapter 1, one of the uh, books over after Hebrews but before Revelation. 
We're going to look here at a couple of verses. First John chapter 1, verse 3. This is a John writing to some churches. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us. For truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message that we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. There's a lot of confusion out there in the world because there's lots of different so-called gods. We have a living God, and in him is no darkness at all. Everything that comes from our God is light, praise the Lord. If we say that we have fellowship with him but walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. John was very frank and honest here. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin. Now this is why we have the letters, because they help us, they fix us up. Someone might be struggling with doing things which they know aren't quite right, but they really do love the Lord and they really want to do the right thing. And they read a letter like this and they think, boy, I've got to fix myself up. If we say we have fellowship with him, we'll go to church, I do this and I do that, but there's things going on in my life I'm not sure about. We walk in darkness. We're lying. We're not doing the truth. And so it makes you think, am I lying? And for some people to get moved by it, They turn around and come back to things. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. We have fellowship with each other because we're walking in the light. It's difficult to have fellowship with someone who isn't walking in the light. And it's difficult for a person who isn't walking in the light to have good fellowship with someone who is in the light. We have fellowship one with another because we walk in the light, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So as we go on in life, we make mistakes. Eh? Who makes mistakes? Eh? Anyone? A couple, okay. We make mistakes, we do things wrong, we do things contrary to God's plan for our life. But what does it say here? That Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It's a daily cleansing. Daily cleansing that we go through. We've got to acknowledge it and he will forgive. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. It means we trick or we fool ourselves. And the truth is not in us. We're not, we're not right about that. If we confess our sins, and you don't have to come to a special way. We've got a room set aside for sinners. We wouldn't all fit, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. There's no special cube out the back there with a light above it and you can say you can go in because God's in there. Okay? God's within us because you have the Holy Spirit. If we confess our sins to God, we talk to him with our mind open and honest. What does it say here? He is faithful and just or righteous, in other words, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to wipe it away. He'll take it, he'll change it so we're not doing that anymore. As long as we push him with him, I don't want to do that anymore, don't want to do that anymore, don't want to do that anymore, Lord. Please help. Press in, God will bless you. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So don't do that. There's serious words to correct us. Uh, Christian life 
was never, ever supposed to be a, you can do what you like now, folks, because the old law has passed away. Quite the contrary. Now it was, I'm going to give you the ability to do what I want you to do. And all the people said, I'm going to give you the ability to see what you have to do and to be able to walk down that path. There will be no shadows, no curtains, nothing hidden here. The Lord will open up those things to us because we walk in his spirit. We are given power to do what he wants us to do. Go to Acts 26, please. We can use his power to help us overcome our brain. And uh, we all know that the, the best thing to do is to be able to lob off the brain if we possibly can. That uh, We can do it spiritually and it's a probably much safer way of doing it. I'm referring here to our natural actions. The Lord will help us overcome those things. Verse 9 of chapter 26. This is Paul the Apostle writing about the time that he had persecuted the church. He said, I truly, I verily thought within myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus Christ. So I guess there were many of us too which didn't have any respect really for the name of Jesus Christ. The world uses it all the time. It has no understanding of what they're really talking about. They don't say, oh, Buddha, oh, Father Christmas. That's not the expletive they use. They use the name of the Lord. And that's called blasphemy. There's a lot of things which are blasphemy, but that was there. He thought he was doing the right thing to persecute the people who believed in Jesus because he was a Jew. He was living according to the law and so on too. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, please. And here Paul's writing to the Corinthian church and uh, says some really good things here in verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 13. Okay, he says here, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. So we understand that the Holy Ghost, just like the Lord, didn't speak in natural terms. He didn't necessarily want us to understand things in a natural way any better. Uh, the Holy Ghost teaches us comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. It says in verse 14, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So even a person who's filled with the Spirit, who is trying to use their natural mind to sort things out, is in trouble, because they're trying to work things out the wrong way. They're on the wrong train. They caught the wrong bus. Verse 15, but he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man, understood of nobody. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, that he may instruct the Lord? But we have the mind of Christ. Well, that's a pretty big statement. It's not our statement. We didn't make that up. It was written by Paul under the influence of the Holy Ghost. We have the mind of Christ, the desires, the intentions, the vision to understand God's plan, the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit comes in to change our mind. And our minds needed changing. And they still need changing from day to day to keep us on the right path, the straight and narrow, to help us to get back to things. Acts chapter 5, please. Acts chapter 5. And here we had found that um, uh, uh, Peter and John had gone and prayed with somebody 
and this person had been healed and they were then uh, punished for talking in the name of Jesus. The Jews punished him and uh, they were being criticised. In verse 29 we read this, chapter 5 and verse 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Him has God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a saviour for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things, and so also is the Holy Ghost, whom God has given to them that obey him. I've had a number of people say to me, I don't have to receive the Holy Ghost. I understand about the Lord. Sorry, you're wrong. Read this last verse. We are witnesses of these things, and so also is the Holy Ghost, whom God has given to them that obey him. If we obey the Lord, then he'll give us the Holy Ghost. Romans 2, I'll read it to you. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, rather than paradise. Go over to Titus, please, chapter 3. I'll read Second Thessalonians verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 8. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Titus 3, verse 1, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. Whip over, please, to Hebrews 5. This is talking about Jesus now. Tremendous parallel is made between some aspects of the Old Testament and the life of Jesus. And it says, And being made perfect, he, that's Jesus, became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey. First Peter chapter 4, verse 17. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel? So, This is pretty clear, these scriptures here, that there is going to come a judgment for those who don't obey the gospel. We can be nice and we can expect, accept that a person is going to heaven just because they're a lovely person, if we want to do that. But it's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible does not teach that. The Bible teaches that that is antichrist logic. That's completely opposite of what Jesus said. Jesus said, obey my commandments. In my Father's house are many mansions, many dwelling places. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. We urge everybody to ignore that natural desire and just go with the flow. Oh, everybody's okay. It's all fine. It's not. Okay. Just one more. Hebrews 13, if you will, please. And this is a lesson I have had to learn over the years. Obey that verse 17, Hebrews 13, verse 17. And Paul is writing still to a church, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. In other words, fall into line. That's what it means. For they watch you, uh, for your souls as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. The idea here is that we are to find our place, find out where we fit in the body of Christ and walk on in that way. Find out how you are going to work with God because he wants to work with you. It doesn't always come easily. You might think God wants you to do this. You might hope that God wants you to do this. You might really wish God wanted you to do that, but he doesn't. If he doesn't, he doesn't. And if it doesn't happen, you have to be willing to say, okay, well, that's not God's plan for me, that's fine. I can still get on and walk 
with the Lord Jesus Christ. There have been times when I have not instantly agreed with a decision that has been made by my oversight. But I've prayed about such things and I've followed their directions because that is what the Bible tells me to do. I can't remember a time when I was right and they were wrong. Now, I'm not saying there wasn't one because I'm sure I must have been right at least once. (laughs) But if there was one, I would still today do what I didn't understand so long as I was told by the oversight that. Does that sound logical to you? Possibly not. Possibly you've got one of those natural minds which sort of think, oh, no, unless I understand it, I can't do it. Well, get into the word of God, and if you don't understand it, go and speak to somebody. I always had somebody to speak to after the meeting when I first came along, always at the front. What about this and what about this and what about this? And, you know, with talking and opening up the scriptures, you can find the reasons why. Because you don't understand why decisions are made, it doesn't mean there's not a very, very, very good reason. So you need to talk to somebody about those things. That's what happened. God has got a way of revealing the right way, the right way and the right answer. So he always does that. How do we get over ourselves if we're really frustrated with life? Well, I'm going to rattle off just to finish off the meeting a whole lot of scriptures. You can write these down if you want to. Ecclesiastes. Now there was found in the city a poor wise man who, so, and he by his wisdom delivered the city, yet no man remembered the same poor man. That's what happens sometimes. Just somebody who we don't even know comes up with the answer to our problems. Ecclesiastes says, If the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, leave not thy place, for yielding pacifies great offences. Don't get your neck in a knot. Sit back, it'll all be all right. I'm going to read from Colossians. You can turn to Colossians if you want to, and I'll just go through some things here. Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 12. We are so blessed to have the word of God to guide us and to teach us in so many ways here. Chapter 3 and verse 2. Verse 2. Put a 1 in front of that. Verse 12. Put on, therefore, the elect of God. Now, what sort of terminology is put on? In grammar, it is a, is it a noun? It is something you can touch. Can you show me a put on? Well, yeah, you can sort of really, can't you? It's actually a doing word, isn't it? It's something you've got to do. Now, we're going to look now at a number of things we have to do. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. That's what you are. You are the elect of God. You are holy, beloved. Bowels of mercies. Be merciful to each other. Kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness and long-suffering. It's not wise to be promoting your own way above the boss's way. I find that out once, working in a job. didn't last very long. Verse 13, forbearing one another putting up with one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Something to do. The ability to forgive is central to a good Christian life. Verse 14, And above all these things put on charity, which is love, which is the bond of perfectness. 
The word bond is talking about the ligaments which join the bones together, keep them from falling apart and so on too. The bond of perfectness. Perfectness is the state of a more intelligent and the moral, spiritual perfection. That's what God wants us to put on, that that wonderful bond which keeps us in relationship with God. Love is the result of wisdom here. Verse 15, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. The, the word um, uh, let the, uh, the peace of God, two words, let rule. In the Greek is separated by some other things there. The, the rule means let rule like an umpire. Let it direct you. Let it control you. It's a verb type thing. Something which a person has to actively and continually work on to let the peace of God rule in your hearts. We find ourselves sometimes waking up at night thinking, what am I going to do about that? You know, oh, this is terrible. But the Bible says this, let the peace of God rule. Tell that thing to be quiet. I'm going to sleep. And just say, I'm going to get God's peace rule. I'm going to go through some scriptures now. So mind, be quiet. I'm going to go through some scriptures. I'm going to refresh my mind, refresh my mind with you. Verse 16. In verse 15 it talks about, and be thankful at the end of verse 15. Be thankful. Many victories have been won by people who practice being thankful. Thanking the Lord. Thanking each other. Be mindful of each other. We're doing a great job. Congratulations. All the people said, we're all doing a great job. We're hanging in there. Praise the Lord. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. How? Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing in grace with your heart to the Lord. That's how we do it. We sing. We can make it poetry if we want to. We can quote in our daily life. We can live according to the Psalms. The statement, let dwell, is a metaphor. It means to dwell in one and influence him for good. Let the Lord dwell in you and influence you for good. In verse 17, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and to God and the Father by him. By doing these things in love, we do have power to do what something that Satan was unable to do. That's overcome ourselves. He's still in trouble. We're free, and all the people said. 